welcome to Doing the Work, the frontline stories of social change, where we bring you stories of real people working to address real issues. I am your host, Shimon Cohen. In this episode, I talk with Alyssa Hardy, who is the Community Resource Manager at the Denver Public Library in Denver, Colorado. Alyssa details the evolution of library social work and how social workers and peer navigators work with librarians to serve diverse populations across 26 total locations. We discuss the work Alyssa and her team carry out providing social work services to library customers experiencing a range of issues such as homelessness, immigration and refugee status, gentrification, access to benefits, mental health, re-entry from incarceration, and much more. Alyssa explains how her team has been able to intervene with people struggling with addiction, specifically opioid use, and how they have stopped over 23 overdoses. She also shares her story of how she got into this work. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hi, Alyssa. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me about the work you do. And just to get things started, could you let the listeners know what you currently do? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, I am the community resource manager at the Denver Public Library. And basically what that means is I supervise and manage the social work and peer navigator program in our library. So that's really interesting that there's social work in a library. I've heard a little bit about this, but I do think a lot of people, social workers, people who are involved in human services, I mean, this is kind of a newer aspect of social work. So maybe you could just talk about, um, I mean, there's so many things I want to talk with you about, but just to start off, maybe you could just talk about like what it would look like to someone walking into the library who maybe is in need of services and what that person looks like, uh, and then how your team approaches that person to provide services. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So we work with any customer, any community member experiencing any adverse life challenge, which can be any of us. And uh, people come into the library for many reasons, uh, whether that's, you know, to look for research or to find a book or come to story time with their kids, or it might be because uh, you need to figure out how to get on SNAP benefits or you're looking to access health care or mental health care and you're coming to the library to find those resources. Or maybe the library is that one place where you can come inside during the day because you don't have a home. And so we, you know, the libraries are open to everybody. We are free and equal access for all. You don't have to have a library card. You don't have to have an ID or anything to walk into the library and spend time there. So lots of people who are looking for services or just a place to be come in and and spend time in the library. And uh, so our team connects with people who might be having those challenges and are looking for resources to help support them and in their goals and what they're looking for. So they might, uh, we hold drop-in hours during the day at most of our locations. And so people can um, ask a librarian or a security guard or whoever it might be, one of their peers, about how do I, who do I talk to about this? And they direct them to our drop-in hours to come in and talk to a peer navigator or a social worker during that time to uh, look into those resources and get connected and build relationship. Other times, like today, for example, in Denver, it was really, really snowy. 
So we had a lot of people who were just basically coming in to get out of the weather. And so one of the peer navigators took a basket of socks and hand warmers and granola bars and water bottles and walked around up and down through the whole library over and over and offered these things to people and made and got to know their names and built those relationships too. And then, you know, just shared with those people what we do and how we can help connect people to resources. And oftentimes that's how we how people get connected to us as well. Sometimes people are just coming in to get out of the elements, you know, just for a, you know, a controlled environment to use the restroom, to read the books, to get on Wi-Fi, get on the computer and not even knowing we're there. And then once they um, start talking to one of someone on our team, they get to know that, or they might ask again, the librarian or security guard a question and they, they direct people to us that way. Sounds like there's just so many different aspects about what you do and you address one of the things I was going to ask you about is kind of like how the word gets out about this, but that's such a great example of outreach within the library itself. How long has the program been around for? So I started exactly four years ago this month. So exactly four years ago when I was hired, they started the program. And what what's it been what was it like to come into a library as a social worker, I mean, and, and build up this program. Can you kind of talk about the evolution of the program? Yeah, absolutely. I was kind of looking for a different job. Um, I was actually driving to the mountains for work every day, and I live close to downtown, and I was looking for something back in the downtown area and working with the homeless population because that's, that's where my heart is. And uh, a friend shared with me this job description and I, you know, I did a little research, found out that they had a social work program in the library in San Francisco and she had some great articles written about what they were doing out there. And so I applied and I got it, not having any idea (laughs) what this meant or what it would look like. Just recognizing that the reason the library wanted to create this, this position was to really address homelessness and and people experiencing homelessness coming into the library, mostly because the librarians recognized that they didn't know all the resources and didn't really know how to best serve that population. And I think that's really, that's really kind of where most libraries start with these types of programs is looking how do we address the homeless population. And really what it, what it comes down to then in the evolution of this is really coming in and bringing social work and librarianship together to meet all of the needs in our community. Libraries do a really good job of finding what those social needs and gaps are and, and working to, to fill those, whether that's through collections like certain books and such things like that, or programming, we have maker spaces, all of these things, whatever the community might need. And, we're, and we can come in with this social work lens and even look at it a little bit more in depthly and see what those needs are. So while we work um, in our downtown areas, we work with a lot of people, most of the people we work with are experiencing homelessness or, be, or they're marginally housed. We, we now have um, services out into the branches. We have 26 total locations. And while there, we still experience, um, you know, come across people experiencing homelessness out there, a lot of times it's more of, you know, people who are living in their cars and or families who are staying with family members and such. Um, so maybe not so much staying outside, but are still not actually housed. They're just, just staying with other people, just trying to stay off the streets. Um, so we see a lot of that going on. In addition, 
you know, as Denver's growing and gentrifying and, and people are getting pushed out of their neighborhoods, we're seeing a lot of issues with that, um, including people getting pushed out of their housing that they've lived in for forever, for years, and facing homelessness for the first time in their lives at like 60, 70, 80 years old. Um, wow. And, yeah. And, you know, also just a lot of racial disparities and those kinds of things as well. So coming again, back in, again, in with that social work lens, looking at these different social injustice issues and being able to help inform the libraries on best practices and ways to address this and recognizing that there are disparities in treatment and just how we're approaching things differently in each location as well that, that we need to look at and, and address. And with that, looking at, you know, not only creating that programming within the library, but what partners can we bring in just to support those groups as well? Because there are a lot of nonprofits and other social service agencies we work with to, to bring in services into the library where people already are. So we do a lot of that. So the program has grown over in those regards um, over the last four years. In addition, um, we've added three other social work positions. Uh, one of those social workers really covers our, covers our downtown area. The other one, she's on the west side, and she also supports our immigrant and refugee programming. And then the other one on the east side, um, and she covers a lot of our, our children and family stuff that comes up. And we were able to create a really successful peer navigator program as well. So we have six peer navigators on our team. And these are people with lived experience from anything from having experienced homelessness to substance use issues, living with a mental health diagnosis, being an immigrant or from a family um, who immigrated here, you know, just different life experiences because we're trying to match people with the with the customers we're working with to um, build those relationships and make those connections. It's just incredibly impressive what you're talking about. And, you know, I think about the library, a public library in the sense of, and what you're saying is like, it's really converting this public space into this kind of like one-stop not, I don't want to say one-stop shop, but kind of like this clinic where people can come in and then get services there, but then get linked to services in the community. And it really just makes sense. How is, how was it received from the library's perspective at first? Like how has this kind of been received um, in the beginning? And then of course, where things are at now? Yeah, it has been an interesting ride. I can tell you that. Yeah. Clearly, we had some buy-in before we created. They created my position; otherwise, this wouldn't have even happened. Uh, and that started with a, a group of librarians that formed a committee and wanted to hire a social worker and proposed that to administration and to the board and then to the city, as we're a city agency, to create that. With that being said, uh, the city initially said, you can try this for two years. We'll see what happens. We're not really sure the library needs this. But once I came in, we started seeing how we can make some change. They made my position permanent within a year. And we added a second social worker at that time. So the city bought in pretty quickly. Most of our board did as well, but some of our board members, as well as some of our staff members, were really unsure at first. There was a, a lot of concern about mission creep and, you know, kind of that whole idea of you build it, they will come. So if you bring social services into the building, you're inviting more people in. And what we've learned is that isn't true. Uh, the people are already there. We've increased staff on the team. We have a lot more contacts with people. We have that, you know, we measure that. But these aren't people that are just now coming to the library because they heard there are social workers there. These are people who are coming to the library anyway. We just didn't know that they had those needs. 
So demonstrating that and explaining that and discussing that with our staff is really important in in our board and and other community members who might question this because it, it dispels some of those myths. And, you know, I kind of explain it as, you know, the library is this public space. If you imagine the public and you just put like four walls around it, that's the library. We're just really what we have inside our walls is just, you know, like a sample, an example of what's happening in our communities. So we really have this unique place within the library to identify what those needs are in the community that we might not be able to recognize in other ways. And that can help inform policy and, and, and things like that. In addition, we had a lot of concern around this when we started having an increase in opioid overdoses in our library a couple of years ago with the whole the opioid stuff going, crisis going on. And what we were able to do at that time is um, we started carrying Narcan in the library. So we have um, over three-fourths of our staff trained. We have about a total of 600 staff in our system. So over 500 people are trained in how to use Narcan, and we've saved over 23 lives, um, or 23 lives at this point with Narcan from overdose. And so we just really took that approach of like, no, we're going we're, we're gonna to make a change. We're going to do something about this. And just really, you know, expressing that and, and, and kind of using the library as an example of what the rest of the community can do. Yeah, it's just so interesting. And the fact that you've got this harm reduction approach within a library and that you've gotten this buy-in is is just so impressive. You know, you talked about some of the different specific populations. You said immigrant and refugee, and there's some programming. Could you describe what kind of programming exists, like some specific some details of the programming? Yeah, absolutely. I first of all want to kind of talk about that harm reduction piece just for a second. And I, you know, it's really recognizing that a library is harm reduction. We're helping reduce harm in many ways by helping people get out of the elements, come in, use the phone, get online, make these connections. All of these things are actually harm reduction within themselves. So whenever that question comes up, because we know harm reduction can be controversial, is like we're already doing it by existing. There's no reason we shouldn't have Narcan. There's no reason we shouldn't have Sharps containers in the bathroom. And we shouldn't. We should be collaborating with our syringe access programs to make pe- sure people are connected, as well as connecting people to healthcare and all of those things. So it just that just actually makes a lot of sense that the library is harm reduction, right? So with the programming uh, for, um, we actually have a program within the library called Services to Immigrants and Refugees, or STIR for short. If anyone likes acronyms more than social workers, it's librarians. (laughs) (laughs) I had to learn a new language walking in the door. Um, And um, it's really amazing stuff. We have a lot of, that the programming is run primarily by volunteers who many are, immigrants or even refugees themselves who have come to the to the United States and um, are giving back to their community. And so it's a lot about having conversations in your language, um, working on your English skills, and figuring out what those connections are and those resource sources are in your community to help support you and your family. What we learned within that um, over the last few years is um, we know that a lot of people who especially people who might be undocumented are a little afraid to come in and say, I'm having issues with my landlord because lots of things can happen as a, as a result of, of, of sharing that and being afraid you're going to lose your housing. And uh, so that's why we placed a social worker in there to support that programming 
so people can have someone to talk to and we can bring in advocacy groups to help people and support them with that. We've got a long ways to go in, in, in what we're doing. Um, we're actually collaborating with an agency that supports that population to create a know your rights training. So just to have people come in to know what their rights are, especially if ICE should show up or, or other um, immigration concerns. So we're doing a lot of that, that work as well to help people feel you know, informed and empowered in, 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 those, in those situations. We also have, um, we received a grant a couple of years ago, and we've carried some of the programming on uh, from this grant that we started with it. Um, So it's programming for people experiencing poverty and homelessness. Uh, So we have a hard times writing workshop that we that we provide in collaboration with the Lighthouse Writers Workshop here in town that does writing workshops. This program has been going on for almost three years, and it's really incredible, and it, it's so successful. We're looking at starting three more groups, one that will be in our Denver City Jail and another one in Denver County, and maybe even through the reentry process from, from corrections, uh, to engage people in writing about their experiences and sharing that. And what we've learned in the group we have is that's really helping people build connections and heal. From mm. from those experiences, one of the women in that group just got published, which is really great. And um, so we're we're looking at expanding that because it's been so successful. And what we'll do with those, um, we'll add another group at the library as well. So as people come out of those those jail settings, they can come in and carry on this work with the program in the library and have that connection with the instructor, with a peer navigator, and the, and the, and the people they've met to, to build those bridges and those, those relationships. Another program we do is our Coffee Connections. Our different libraries around the country that do a coffee and conversation, so this is our, our version of that, where we have different staff host coffee and donuts um, once a month for people experiencing adverse life challenges, basically. So people come in, staff serve them coffee, and donuts. So we're serving people. And uh, we have arts and crafts. So people have something to do with their hands while they're trying to make conversation because people feel more comfortable with that. And we're building those relationships. And that has helped kind of back to your question before of, you know, are some staff concerned about this? Or, or has there been, you know, has everyone had buy into this? And there have were staff, especially those who are not public facing, who were really, you know, felt uneasy around people experiencing homelessness or having different experiences from their own. And what this has done is build those relationships between the staff and the customers and has actually helped with that a lot as well. So that's an example of, of some of our programming. It's so inspiring. I mean, you know, because when you create something and you, there was that initial buy-in and then you had, you said, you know, the city basically said, we're going to see how this goes. But then within a year, they already made their decision. Was there data that you had? I'm assuming there's da- there was some data, there were some numbers that you had to report to them to get that decision made. What, what kind was that? Just for people who are listening that want to do something like this. Good question. I'm not even sure because I don't, I don't think they actually asked us for the numbers. Um, at that time, they, were, they just recognized that we were having some impact. When they looked at creating this position, they were also thinking about how do we decrease 911 calls to the central library, because there were a lot, and some of those around customer behavior and some, you know, legal issues and, and things like that. So, you know, our security team was doing the best that they that they were trained to do in responding to these these issues. And 
but they, they're not social workers. They don't know the resources. You know, their, their job is to make sure people are following the library use policy and getting them out if they're not. So what we've been able to do, and I think in that first year, what we did is really demonstrated like having social work work really closely with our security team on doing some training with security, responding with security to those situations. I resp- I've, I've walked into more bathrooms to respond with security than I ever thought I ever would. <laughs> and right. and uh, just helping to, you know, kind of role model and show that, you know, also with that trauma-informed piece that a, a, most, a lot of the people that we encounter have experienced trauma and being able to just sit with someone and say, you know, I know you're having a bad day. Let's talk about it for a little bit versus what you're doing is wrong. You have to leave can go a long ways. So just demonstrating that we didn't really have a decrease in 911 calls right away, but it was really, we kind of started showing some trends of the reasons why we were calling 911 and why we weren't anymore. Um, so it was really more legal issues or, you know, medical emergencies and things like that, that we continue to call for, but for like behavior issues and, and that kind of stuff, we don't have to do that anymore. We can work on that with the person. And so that was demonstrated. And, you know, other than that, you know, we do track the number of, of contacts that we, that we make my first year at the library, just little me doing some program development as well. I had, um, 434 contacts with, with customers. And in last year with the, with, you know, four peer navigators and three social workers, we had about 6,000 contacts. So just demonstrating how wow. great that need is. And again, it's not bringing more people in. The need is already there. And I think that's one of the reasons this took off. Yeah. I mean, it's truly that social work aspect of meeting people where they're at. They were already there <laughs> and you're, you're just putting people there that have the proper training and skills and, and knowledge to, to help. Yeah, them. that's exactly it. It just makes so much sense from a social work perspective. I mean, the people are already there. And, and what I've learned too, is a lot of the people that are there don't know that there are certain agencies or programs that can help them with the issue that they're facing until we talk to them about it, or they have systems trauma and they've tried so many times and, and have been told no, or things didn't work or, you know, whatever it was that happened is they were trying to get into housing or, or access mental health care that they just gave up. And so we can build that relationship and connection and help walk them through that in that process now. Yeah, that's excellent. I I was thinking too, you know, just going to a library and having someone approach you is probably a lot less stigmatizing than, you know, feeling like you've got to show up to a mental health clinic or a hospital. Absolutely. That's very, very true. Very true. Anybody can walk into a library. It it is, you know, anyone at all. And so, yeah, it's absolutely much less stigmatizing uh, than walking into a, you know, a clinic, like you're saying. Also, it's a little less intimidating and can maybe decrease some of the fear around that as well. If you can just have a casual conversation with a library staff member who then maybe can connect you to someone, it makes a big difference than walking into an, an agency and asking for help where you don't know if, you know, how you're going to be greeted, if you're going to be told you need to have an appointment or what, or you need certain paperwork or whatever it is. We can work through that on the front end and um, help people feel safer and better about walking into those places. In addition, we really work with our partners on um, having them come to the library for that first meeting with someone 
because they do feel safer there and they have that connection with us. And uh, so we, we make that, they come to the library for that first interaction and then that person then knows them and then they can, you know, see them outside of the library. It's awesome. It's great. So just to kind of shift gears here, I'm wondering, you know, what is the most challenging aspect of this work for you? Good question. I think, you know, it's interesting being a social worker, our brains work a little bit different than librarian brains (laughs) because we're trained differently. And again, this social work and librarianship can come together and do some really great stuff. But it's a little, you know, it can be really challenging to be the one social worker in a room of 20 librarians and their brains are all working this way. And I'm like, but why can't we just do this? Because this is what we do. And there's a lot of like analysis going on and and all this. And so sometimes, you know, things move a lot slower than what we might be used to in a social service setting. And that was certainly an adjustment for me. In addition, what I've really learned, and this is part of librarians training too, is they really want to know, well, tell me what to do. I just want to know what to do. And so the answer of, well, everyone, all humans are individuals. It's all very gray. It depends. It depends <laughs> on the situation, as we always right. say as social workers. Well, it depends. That's really hard for librarians to adjust to that. So really what I've been saying a lot lately as I'm doing training with librarians is we're giving you information. It's for you to take in this information and make informed decisions on your own with this. Like We can't tell you exactly how to handle every single situation because they're all different. And when you think you've seen everything, something will happen. <laughs> You have not seen everything. So that's a little bit of a challenge. And and there are some, you know, trainings out there for libraries that really trying to try to answer that, like, well, tell me what to do. And I, in, as a social worker, I can't really support that because it is very individual. And we don't want to put blanket statements over groups of people. Another thing that can be really challenging is just just seeing the social need in our communities um, where there are so many gaps in service. And living in a community where housing is a really big issue, and um, we're really behind in um, in creating affordable housing options for for individuals and families, and um, that's that's really frustrating and, and can be hard hard to deal with. And just yeah, just different like even the way that different agencies like city agencies approach social issues in kind of, you know, lumping them into safety concerns when they're really social issues or public a public health crisis versus a safety issue. So really, you know, what we can do is get into some of those rooms and have those conversations though. So that helps. Um, but that's some of the frustration. Yeah. You know, when you're talking about the housing issue in you know, right now, I mean, this episode's going to go live in a few months, but this is February when we're recording this and it's incredibly cold. As you were saying, it's a life or death issue, right? I mean, being homeless in Denver, Colorado is a life or death issue compared to maybe being homeless somewhere like where I am in Miami, which it's still a very serious issue, but the repercussions in Denver are or life or death. Right, exactly. And honestly, like our weather isn't even as bad. I can't even imagine, you know, what's going on in Michigan with this polar vortex in Chicago, these other Midwestern cities and areas where it is, you can't be outside. And I've really been thinking a lot about people who are unhoused during this time. But yeah, we see a lot of, you know, in the wintertime, a lot of issues around frostbite 
and things like that. And then in the summer, it gets really warm here and we're at high altitude. So people get dehydrated dehydrated really quickly if they're new to town, especially, and they're not used to that. And, and sun, like sun exposure is a really big deal as well. Wow. There, yeah, there's, there, you see it all there. You really do. It's, it's pretty impressive. So I'm, I was wondering, how did you get into this work? How did you get into social work if you're comfortable, you know, saying anything Sure, absolutely. That? You know, when I was in college, I uh, started out as, as a major in broadcast journalism. I was going to be the anchor woman on the news. And, uh, you know, I remember being in one of my journalism classes and we were, we were writing a story about, you know, it was a made up family, but a family that had lost their home in a fire. And I remember thinking as I'm writing this story, I was like, I don't want to expose these people's trauma to the rest of the world. I would actually rather like to get in there and help these people. And so um, I took the intro to social work class just to kind of see what it was about. I was always interested interested in psychology and such. And uh, it clicked. And I was like, oh, <laughs> this makes sense. <laughs> I know, right? That is awesome. I now know, you know, having grown up in a, in a family where, you know, we didn't talk about emotions and there was some other stuff. Of adverse experiences that happen. I now recognize that that that's part of why, you know, we all have our stuff that brings us to this work. And um, I really right. had a desire to really work with people who were experiencing substance use issues because I had a little bit of that myself and had a lot of friends who, you know, really, you know, I was able to get some help and change some things in my life, but I had friends who didn't and really wanted to, to get in and help with that. So after I finished um, grad school, I worked in an adolescent treatment program. This was in Omaha, Nebraska, where I went to grad school, and then um, moved to Denver in, in a couple of years after that, after I got my clinical license and worked for a homeless agency downtown, not really thinking I'd ever work with the homeless population, but it's like, well, check it out. It's a job to get me to Denver. We'll see what happens. And I fell in love with the population and really enjoyed working with them. And and along the way, started teaching at the Graduate School of Social Work at the University of Denver and really learned a lot about trauma and um, in teaching those courses and, and policy as well and, and have a passion for, for um, social policy change and all of that. So my current position has really kind of launched into that, which is nice. It's a great story on so many levels, you know, the personal aspects of it. And you're right. I mean, most people that are in social work have some story to tell. And I like asking people their stories because I think it's important that it gives others a way to identify and relate. You know, I think people who are who are doing the work already or people who are thinking about getting into it or students who are listening. And then the part about the class where you decided, like, I want to help this family. I don't want to tell their, like, this is on the news. That's such an interest. I've, that's the first time I've heard a story like that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's interesting now because we have a lot of media coverage and I think about that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you ended up on the news anyway, so yep. just for different it's reasons. True. You know, um, the time's kind of flown here in terms of our conversation. And I just want to thank you so much for taking the time again to come on here and also for, for doing the work in the community. The work you're doing is phenomenal and it's inspiring a lot of people. And I just keep hearing more and more about library social work and, you know, social work in libraries, whatever the right terminology is. And, you know, you're, you're like the go-to person 
when when this comes up. So just so appreciative that you came on here. To talk yeah, to absolutely. My pleasure. Uh, you know, I actually have a lot of great library social work colleagues across the country, and we're happy to help support anybody in any way. And uh, thanks for asking. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Doing the Work, Frontline Stories of Social Change. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please follow on Twitter and leave positive reviews on iTunes. If you're interested in being a guest or know someone who's doing great work, please get in touch. And thank you for doing real work to make this world a better place. Mm